Have you ever noticed that the things which are bad for you usually taste the best? You know, I don't know why that is. And the things that are good for you are hard to find and they're more expensive. You know, you'll, you'll notice that there's never fresh broccoli by the checkout stand at Casey's. You know, but there's always them little cups of cookies that are really good, but they're not good for you. You know, the things that are bad are cheap and everywhere. The things that are good are expensive, and you really got to hunt for them. And I think that's true in our spiritual lives as well. The things which are bad for us spiritually, kind of the, uh, the uh, like the Big Macs and fries of the soul, they're, they're everywhere. And they are, you know, pleasing to our spiritual taste buds, but they're not good for you. And those things, conversely, which nourish our spiritual life, which nourish our soul, sometimes need a little more thought and planning and intentionality. Well, to overcome those things that are toxic to our spiritual life and to take in those things that are spiritually healthy and strong, uh, we need to be spiritually intentional about those things. So this morning, I want to talk about feasting. Not like we feasted last week at the harvest dinner, but spiritually feasting on God's word and being intentional about it. You know, today we're looking at the spiritual habit of taking the Bible into our lives and allowing it to change us, transform us, and conform us to the image of Jesus. So we, we wrap up our series today on the spiritual habits that we've been walking through. We've looked at habits like Sabbath. Uh, we've talked about prayer, fasting, community. Today, it's about Scripture. And all throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, from the early pages to the last book, the Bible is filled with encouragement about reading, taking in, and applying God's word. Just, just a quick scan of the Bible reveals what it says about the books contained within. In the New Testament alone, Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. The prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, when he says, all scripture, all of it is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. And in John's gospel, it records for us Jesus' prayer to the Father in John 17, verse 17, when Jesus prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Journey, God's word is powerful. You know, in the beginning, God spoke and the world was created. 
God, God's word is so powerful that he can create something. He can create out of nothing. In the Garden of Eden, it was a violation of God's word, which led to the fall of humanity. In the life of Israel, Israel made his covenant with God. God told them to be diligent to do all that he had spoken to them and to teach his law to their children. And when revival broke out in Israel in the time of Nehemiah, it was because Ezra spoke and read the word of God. And when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he rebuked Satan using scripture. And then in the book of Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it simply says, faith comes from hearing and hearing All of the spiritual habits that we have looked at over these last few weeks are, are important. But you will go nowhere in our spiritual life without scripture. So I, I feel the number one spiritual habit is a regular and consistent reading of God's word. Being intentional about taking in God's word to you. The Old Testament king named David, uh, he wrote and composed many of the psalms that we have in our Bibles. Um, in fact, some entire psalms are dedicated to the word of God. Uh, one, the, the longest psalm in the Bible is Psalm 119, and it's all about God's word. I thought about preaching that today, but it's 150 verses long, and we'd be here all day. So, But David also wrote Psalm 19. And in Psalm 19, it shares some marvelous truths about Scripture. And we're going we're gonna to dive into Psalm 19 this morning uh, because it tells us what feasting on God's Word looks like. You know, if we're going to feast on it, what, what's on the menu? And we're going to, you know, feast on God's Word through that menu of Psalm 19. And to do so, David gives us a description to start with. He communicates a description. So beginning in verse 7 of Psalm 19, it says, The law of the Lord, referring to God's word, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. When he says it's perfect, it, it means it's without blemish, it's complete, it's lacking nothing. It speaks to the wholeness of God's word. Because within God's word, we find everything that we need to know about who God is, who we are, and what God's plan for our lives is. But God's word also describes the devastating effects of sin and how that has destroyed humanity. But also within his pages, it describes the perfect sacrifice of our Savior on our behalf. And it reveals to us uh, the eternity that can be ours when we come into fellowship with our God. God's word is complete. It needs nothing added to it. And because God's word is complete and perfect, it can really refresh our souls and restore us and revive us, our souls, and revive our relationship with our creator. You know, have you, have you ever just like worked outside on a hot day and just felt drained, whether you're 
playing sports or working and you're just like the heat just sucks the life out of you. Dory and I had the opportunity to visit my aunt and uncle in Florida last year. We went down to September, um, which was still pretty hot for Florida times. And we went out hiking and walking in, a, in, uh, in this uh, nature preserve, which was really cool. But it was like a, just a smoking hot day. And we're walking along, and it's getting hotter and hotter. And the little bottle of water I brought drained that pretty quick. And w when we got back to their house, you know, they, they said, hey, try this powdered electrolyte drink, and it'll make you feel better. And I was skeptical. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, but I tried it. I put some of this powdered liquid IV into my water bottle, shook it up, drank it, and I was like, hey, this is really good. And it worked. It revived my soul. It, it brought me back to life. And I, and I think about that when we take in God's word and how it can restore us and revive us. We might feel spiritually drained, spiritually dry. And then we open up God's word and all of a sudden it comes to life and it feeds and refreshes our soul. You know, this idea of, of being perfect also has the idea of, of repentance to it. In fact, that word is synonymous in, in the Old Testament. It can either mean perfect or repent because it draws us back into relationship with our God. It calls us back into that relationship with him. It, re, it restores and returns us to that relationship with him. And it's a constant reminder to us because in our spiritual life, you know, we tend to drift, don't we? If we, if we are not in God's word on a regular basis, before we know it, we get a little off track and then weeks go by and weeks go by and we realize, you know, I haven't even read the Bible lately and no wonder I'm struggling with this or no wonder I'm feeling this way. The Bible says it's perfect and complete because it can keep us in that relationship with God. But David also says it's sure. Other, other versions say it's trustworthy. We can rely on it. God's word doesn't change with the shifting of cultural winds. It is sure. And it says it makes us wise. You know, it gives us understanding of who God is, helps us understand humanity, helps us understand the world around us, and it helps us understand how to live within the world that we are a part of. David goes on to say in verse 8 of Psalm 19, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. God's precepts or directions, another word for that, they're always right. You know, it carries the idea of the direction that we are to go. It's, it's like marking the line on the map. The, it gives us the roadmap to follow, which is God's word. And it's never going to mislead us. It's never going to take us down the, the wrong road. It's never going to lead to a dead end. You know, it's, it's impossible to grow into the image of Christ without the mark. And that's what Scripture does for us. You know, because Scripture leads us in the right direction, it tells us it can bring joy to our heart. You know, it leads us into those paths of righteousness because it keeps us in a right relationship with our Creator. David goes on to tell us that his commandments are pure. Other versions, translations say radiant. You know, it describes the purity and radiance of God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it tells us uh, when, when the author writes, Your Word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. 
God's word sheds light on an otherwise dark path. If you're not sure where to go, if you're unsure about direction in your life, turn to God's word. And God's word can cast the darkness aside, light the way that we are to go. Uh, and it brings light to our eyes, it brings understanding to our mind. Well, again, David goes on to the on in verse 9. He says, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. That idea of being clean is just, just the purifying effect that the Holy Spirit has on us and how God, God's word can work in us and through us. You know, our, our daughter Sarah is now 24, I, I think. I think she's 24. Uh, back, back when she was a year old, she had um, a, a picture taken. And, and back in those days, you know, pre-iPhone, you would, you would go to uh, a photography studio or have a professional person do it. So we got a, the one-year-old picture, and um, this was back when you'd, like, get them mounted on canvas and framed and hang them. We, we had them hanging in our house for years and years. But, but the dress that Sarah wore for that one-year-old picture, Dory hung on to for 23 years later. We still have it. And, and she pulled it out um, about a month ago in anticipation of our granddaughter's uh, one-year birthday coming up next month. And the plan is that she's going to wear this dress, and we're going to have a picture with her for the holiday. That's what ladies do and what grandmas like to do. But so, so we're going to do it. <laughs> but when she pulled it out, there was, there was a stain on the lace. And this was a, a big deal, you know, for Dory. There was a stain, uh, couldn't get it out. Uh, so she tried all of these methods, and, and she's been soaking this thing for a month. And it's finally, <laughs> finally come clean. And the secret was OxyClean and Dawn, Dawn dish soap. After trying all these other things, that took the stain out. And sometimes I, I think about uh, Scripture and how it's like oxy clean for the sin of our soul. If left unchecked, if left just packaged up, you know, it can get stained over time. And when we take Scripture in, it, it can really illuminate and lighten up and refresh our souls. You know, we read about how Scripture endures forever. I love how Isaiah chapter 40 puts it. It says, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's going nowhere. And then David, lastly, he, he says that it's true. In other words, it's firm. Um, God reveals himself to us in his word, and he tells us the truth about himself, about truth about sin, the truth about forgiveness, about heaven and hell, and he's never going to mislead us. It's never ambiguous. He gives it to us as a true guide on how to live. Well, all of these descriptors that he gives in this part of Psalm 19, they all speak to the character of God's word. And after going into the character of God's word, David shifts and he reveals his desire for the word of God. Because this is about feasting. And, and he says, come with an appetite, come hungry, come with a desire for God's word. Listen to how he words his desire in verse 10. He says, more to be desired than they 
are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings than perfume. You know, David is communicating the value that he places on God's word. And he uses the context of, of wealth and taste just to share how important it is to him and to those that, that take it in. You know, that there is a, uh, a service available to us that helps us transmit messages to one another. Uh, it's, it's been around for a couple of years. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called mail. Um, not email, but mail. It's something that you use paper and stick a you know, stamp on it, and you mail stuff. Guys, are you familiar with that? Right. Well, when I was in the Marines, I was stationed in, in the Philippines. And this was, uh, this dates me a little bit, but this is pre-email and pre-cell phone days. So there was no emailing back and forth to friends and family at home. There was no texting. Um, I only received snail mail for the eight months that I lived there. So because that was really the only way to communicate, mail call in the Marines was a big deal. They'd put us in platoon formation, and they would start calling out, you know, who got mail? And when you got a letter, it was cause to celebrate. It was a glorious day. You hit the jackpot if you got a package in the mail. But letters, they were precious. We would hang on to them. We would read them over and over again. We would talk about them. We'd share them with our buddies. You know, we'd, we'd tuck them away and bring them out a week later and just read them and read them over again because that's what kept the relationship with friends and family going. And when I read verse 10 of Psalm 19, that that's what came to mind, just how hungry David was for God's word was like how hungry we were for mail in the Philippines. You know, when, when I first became a Christian in the Marines, God gave me a desire and a hunger for his word. A hunger so much so that it altered the trajectory of my life. And, this, and the psalm that God used was Psalm 84 to capture my heart and change my life. Because there it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Other versions say, my heart and flesh cry out for God. And I read that verse and I was like, man, that's it. God just gave me this desire to study his word, which led, led me into becoming a pastor. So I went from infantry marine to pastor, and that's a big jump, you know, but, but God's word has that effect on life. It can change your trajectory. It can change your passions. It can change your vocations. It changed mine, and it can change yours if you let it. God is really good at disrupting our minds and replacing them with his. When David communicates a description in this psalm, he reveals a desire, and lastly, he unveils a devotion. Listen to how he wraps it up in verse 13. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. I mean, this psalm wraps up with some of the most beautiful and at the same time, some very scary words. Because it's a prayer of devotion, but also a prayer for examination. 
He's saying, examine my words and examine my thoughts. Because sometimes what you say and what you think, they don't always match, do they? And what we say and what we think, they don't always line up with Scripture. We might say one thing publicly, but think something else privately. We say one thing, think something else. David is saying, examine that in my life. Make sure my heart and my mind, my words, my lips are in line with you, God. How can our words and thoughts be acceptable to God? You know, how is that even possible? Well, within the context of the psalm, it's about hearing and obeying the words of the Lord. Psalm 119, that really long psalm all about Scripture, it tells us that in verse 9. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, as I close this morning, let me give you five just practical ways that you can put this teaching into practice. Five steps for feasting on God's word. And the first one is, is obvious, but you got I got to say it, is to read it. I mean, just open up Scripture and read it. And, and have a plan in mind when you read it. I, I would not encourage you just to, like, let the Bible fall open and start reading there. But be intentional about it, you know. And, but you don't have to, like, read 10 chapters a day or read the entire New Testament in a month. Um, the, the D group that I'm a part of, we, we we read one chapter a week, but we read the same chapter over and over again. So just read it on a regular basis. Be consistent with it. Um, I, I like schedule that as part of my mornings. That's one of the first thing I do. I sit down with a cup of coffee. I open up scripture and I start reading. Um, then as you read it, just use a version that's that you enjoy, that you like to read. I mean, there's a myriad of versions out there that you can use. Just find one that connects with you. Um, and we, we've made some, as we approach Christmas here and the Advent season and then the new year, we're making some reading plans available to you. Um, if you are a techie person, I mean, I'm kind of techie. I mean, I read from an iPad. I read scripture from apps on my iPad. Um, if, if you like to do that, there's the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, we, we've created a Journey Christian Church page for YouVersion. Um, there it is right there. You can scan that code, and it'll take you to the Bible reading plans that, that we put on the YouVersion uh, page. Um, there you'll, you, you'll find an Advent reading plan that starts December 3rd. And then as we get closer to the new year, um, we're going we're gonna to focus on reading through the New Testament in, in the entire year. But if you like to hold paper, if, if you like to hold a physical Bible, uh, we've made these same schedules available to you on paper. Uh, they are out in the lobby. You can find them at Sue's front desk there. You can find them by the communion table. You can find a couple at the starting point table. Um, again, just an intentional plan to read it and focusing on the Advent season and coming up. Secondly, just, just reflect on it. Instead of just checking the box as, as you're reading it, actually think about what God's Word is saying. 
You know, Scripture calls that meditation. Mull it over throughout the day. You know, I, I like to read the same passage many times each week. And as I go along in the week, it begins to make more and more sense. Uh, thirdly, remember it. You know, I think Bible memorization is, is powerful, but it's a lost art for many adults. Uh, but it can be one of the most powerful tools in your disciple toolbox. Because when we hide scripture in our heart, uh, no one can take it away. When you hide scripture in your heart, you might be facing something um, at work, in life, in family, and all of a sudden God can bring that scripture to mind. And you're like, yeah, that speaks into this situation. So practice Bible memorization. There's a lot of apps and ways that you can do it. Give it a try, one verse at a time. Fourthly, recount it. By that I mean just talk about it, share it with somebody, you know, tell others what, what God is saying to you through his word. Um, have conversations around it. Fifthly, respond to it. I mean, simply put, do what you're reading. You know, as, as James says, don't be just hearers, be doers of the word. And journey, don't confuse information for insight with transformation for insight. Transformation doesn't come about just by, you know, reading 10 chapters a day. It's allowing God's word to work in you and begin to put into practice what you're reading. You know, the, the D group approach to scripture is intentionally simple and reproducible. So when I meet with my D group on Wednesdays for lunch, like I said, we, we focus on one chapter and we ask ourselves three simple questions. What does this teach us about God? What does this teach us about humanity? And how is this gonna change? Or another way to say that, is there a command to obey or an example to follow? Just simple questions that lead to life change. You know, so we feast on scripture not to become just Bible scholars. That's good, but and that's not the only goal. We feast on scripture because it points us to Jesus. And the words of Psalm 19 are not just about God's word. They, they describe Jesus to us because Jesus is the one who brings restoration. Jesus is the true wisdom of God. Jesus is the true source of joy. He's the one that enlightens our eyes and endures forever. Jesus is the one who is truth and is righteous. You see, Christ is the fullness of God's as the praise team comes forward this morning, you know, I had the opportunity to go to the country of Moldova uh, back in 2016. And I was there with a nonprofit that I worked with, Deaf Missions, and, and we were focusing on translating the Bible um, into Moldovan sign language. And, and we, we met with the Deaf Church there that, that on a Sunday, and our interpreters began to share with them how we're going to translate the Bible into Moldovan sign language, and the people just got super excited. Their eyes got wide, they, they leaned in, they were engaged because they didn't have scripture in their language. They were hungry for language in, in hungry for scripture in a language that they could really understand. And then that next morning after witnessing that, I was going through, reading through the Psalms, and I came to Psalm 63 verse 3 that really described what I saw that morning. 
remember, it says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. And I saw that this, these people thirsting for God, just desiring God, and it just broke me because they didn't have scripture. Journey, are, are you hungry for God's word? Are you really ready to feast on God's word? But not sure where to start? Well, start with that Advent book that I would make made available. Then next year, join us as we read through the New Testament. But open up scripture every day. Open up your app. Open your Bible. Let's get hungry for God's word and feast on it as it points us to Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what